Welcome to Element. Uh, if you know, Happy Mother's Day. If you're a mom, we would like to give you a little something. So, some guys are going to be walking around with chocolate-covered strawberries. Please raise your hand, and we'd love to get you one. If you're like, "Hey, it's Mother's Day. I'm not doing anything today." Have someone next to you raise their hand for you, and we'll still get you one. Okay. All right. So, seeing as it is Mother's Day, okay, if you have a mom, make sure to call her and tell her Happy Mother's Day that you love her, that you're thankful for her for putting up with your shenanigans while you were a kid. You're thankful for her putting up with your shenanigans while you're an adult. Um, you know, those kinds of things. So, excellent. Here and everyone's got one. If uh, if you're in a gospel community. Just know, someone will ask you if you called your mom on Mother's Day. A text just simply isn't enough, all right? Especially if you're someone, like, around my age or younger, like, a text just like, hey, thanks, Mom, like, not, not enough, come on, uh, up, your, up your kid game, gee whiz. Um, so, <clears throat> all right, my name is James. I'm the director of student ministry here. Glad you could be with us today. Will you guys stand with me for the reading of God's word? This is Deuteronomy 10:14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for being uh, a sovereign God who holds heaven and earth in your hands, who is capable of that, who is trustworthy with that and with our lives. God, I pray that uh, we would live that out, live that you are sovereign, live that you are trustworthy, and that would be modeled in our parenting. God, to you we give the glory and praise. Amen. So, uh, last year for Mother's Day, my wife and I, Haley, came up and we talked about the, the parents that we wanted to be. Uh, jokingly, Aaron said that every year he would have us come up on Mother's Day and give an update of, like, expectations versus reality. Um, so it's been a year, and here's one of us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Haley was actually supposed to come and join me, uh, but she got super sick last night and is still sick. And, and I'm not talking like, <laughs> James, I'm sick. I can't come. But like, I got home from our junior high event and like had to hold Calvin and her hair while she's like puking. Um, okay, that didn't actually happen, but if it did, <laughs> husband of the year. Uh, <laughs> But she was really puking, so uh, there that all happened. So it's it's been an interesting Mother's Day, especially for Haley's first Mother's Day. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, uh, Calvin, though, quick update. Calvin is seven months now. Uh, he is a ton of fun. It's only taken him like six months to get there. Um, but he is... <laughs> He's a ton of fun. Okay, it took like three months. Um, he smiles on purpose. He is just this high energy um, handful. He's laughing. Uh, I'm going to explain that. Okay, my proudest moment as a father thus far has been that I have passed down my laugh to my son. Okay? <laughs> if you don't know, I have a very distinctive laugh when I really, like, really get laughing. And Calvin has a very, like, high-pitched, squeaky version of my laugh. 
It is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Um, he has linked the words dada together, which has also been awesome. He hasn't quite responded that, or got that I will respond to that. So he calls me dada and Haley dada and our dog dada. Just everyone is dada. So bittersweet, I guess. Um, and today is going to be a, a little bit uh, different. So if it's your first time and you're like, that was awful, come back next week. It will be a little bit different. Aaron's going to be back. It's all going to be okay. Uh, but I really wanted to talk to you guys about what Haley and I have been processing uh, the last few months, what Jesus has revealed to us and what we've kind of been talking about. And that is dedication or, or getting Calvin dedicated, uh, which is Sarah explained really cool in her video is really just simply a pledge to raise our children in a way that honors God, that we come up in front of our church family and we ask for their support in that. And in a way, it's a lot like baptisms, and this might be pushing it, a little bit like a wedding, where it's a public declaration that we are going to raise our kids in a way that honors God. And everyone is included in that. But it's really us just getting up in front of everyone and promising God, promising each other um, how we're going to raise our kid. Uh, So what we did is we asked some of our friends their thoughts, their opinions, their experiences on dedicating their children. So we want to share some of their stories with you. That's what Sarah's was. And we'll show you a couple other videos. Then I'll kind of talk you through some of our story. Um, moms, we hope that you are blessed today. We hope that you're encouraged today. And we really, I don't know, I'm hoping that at the end we just see, you know, that God is truly worthy of our praise, that he deserves the glory, and, and that we would live in a way that shows that and understanding that, that the way we parent and the way we set up our marriages is a huge part of that. So uh, with that, I'd like to show you another video real quick. So growing up Catholic, I was taught that baptisms were important and that you had to get baptized in order to go to heaven. So with that, after I had my firstborn child, I was still in that um, mind frame. And so I got Faith, who was my first, um, baptized in the Catholic Church. Um, It was shortly after that that my husband, Donald, and I started attending Element. And I really learned what baptisms were all about. And um, that element doesn't baptize children at a young age. They dedicate them. Being a stay-at-home mom is exhausting on its own. Your job is 24 hours nonstop. And um, being new to the Christian faith and loving Jesus in a different way than I was raised to and um, living in a gospel community has really changed my views on how to raise my children. So while getting dedicated, you have your church family stand up in front of you and pray upon you. And you see members of your gospel community, your family, your friends, they are saying that they're going to help hold you accountable. On days that you're feeling down and that you don't think you can go any further, you can pick up the phone and call a friend and they can be encouraging to you. So as a mother, dedicating means that I'm going to have that support and love of family and friends and the church family um, to help raise my children to love and know Jesus. Uh, so a while ago, I was with a group of guys, and, and we were given this task to share our life story 
and 10 minutes, okay? which is ridiculously hard to do. Okay? But we were talking about this, and everyone shared their story. And, and I saw and learned very quickly that, that much of who we are today was shaped by our parents, was shaped while we were a kid. I mean, behavior might not look the same, but, but thought process and coping and comfort and relationships and how we treat people can all, in a way, be traced back to our parents. Parents have a massive, massive influence on the lives of their children. And, and because of that, it seems like parents have also had a rather large, or at least an influence on the pain we have experienced in life what they did, what they didn't do, how they prepped us for life, how they lived, how they taught us to live, how they taught us to to deal with struggles. That carries into uh, adulthood. Maybe there are some unresolved issues with your parents, and there's pain in that. There can be forgiveness in that, but there's still this pain in having this unresolved issue. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's problem and everyone's hurt in their life is because of their parents. But in this group of guys I was talking with, everyone in this group could trace some sort of their pain, their hurt, back to their parents. And so in listening to these stories and in telling my story, I started to freak out. Like, it it got me really in a weird groove, in a weird funk. Because you could be the most involved parent. You could say all the right things at all the right times and be there, and you're still going to mess up your kid. It's just going to happen. You're still going to hurt them in some way. You're still going to fail them. And so I was talking about this with Haley, coming to this realization, and I came up with the brilliant plan. Like, Haley, let's stop at one. Okay? We have one kid, seven months. He's already been like a high-energy handful. He has been a lot. If we can just focus on the one, we won't mess him up. It's, it's a brilliant plan, okay? At least to me, okay? Um, because my wife is much smarter than I am, and I truly believe that, she was like, uh, that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> no. Because if we did that, if we were so concerned, so paranoid about doing everything right, if we were so focused on perfection and being the perfect dad and the perfect mom and the perfect parents, we'd go absolutely crazy. Not only that, we would miss our goal of perfection. We would fail perfection. And and not only that, we would fail our son because we would set up our lives to revolve around him. And that hurt him. Essentially, I think what I really wanted to do was I wanted to set my son up as an idol. Because if he was an idol, if he was my little God, chances are I would think more about that, worry more about that, and I have a higher chance of not failing him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was just scared. Idolatry can be very sneaky, especially among relationships. And I was freaked out. See, in having a child now, I realize that there are stresses and there are worries I didn't even know existed. Every day there is something new to worry about. Every day there is some new stress. And if it's a day that Calvin is behaving brilliantly, then I get to worry about his future. 
Like, what kind of kid, what kind of toddler, what kind of teenager will he be? Will he get good grades? Will he do good socially? He seems like a good-looking kid. How can I keep girls away from him? You know, these kinds of things. And I have a brilliant plan for parents, okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach Calvin a bunch about comic books and, like, really, like, nerdy stuff like that and hoping, like, through his teenage years, he'll just be, like, a nerd and the girls will be, like, not interested in him. Yes, not just a hat rack, my friends. Um, uh, <laughs> so as, as parents, I had no idea that this is what you have to constantly think about. How can I get the best for my child? How can I help them without smothering them? How can I teach them, but also let them discover for themselves? How can I push them to be better? How can I set expectations, but also leave room for failure? And I started reading this book in this process called Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. And he was talking about uh, this woman that he knew. When, when she was single, her heart's desire was to be a good mom. And I don't know if she comes from a family whose parents weren't overly involved or didn't care about her, or didn't seem like they cared about her school or grades or social life or anything. I, I'm not really sure. Her heart's desire when she was single was to be a good mom. So she gets married, she has a kid, she has another kid, she ends up with two kids. And she's thinking, perfect, this is, this is what I have wanted. I'm going to be the best mom. And what ended up happening is she became this crazy, overbearing mom. Her goal of perfection kind of ruined it for her because her fears, her anxieties, her long for safety, her, her need for control, her longing, her need to feel loved by her children made her family absolutely miserable. She thought, once I have kids, I'll be happy. Okay? It, yes, it will be work, but once I have children, I'll be whole. And she was over-involved in these kids' lives. She pushed for grades. She pushed them for clubs. She pushed them to be social. She pushed for their love. And because of that, her children cracked under the pressure. The older one had to end up seeking years of professional psychological help. The younger one rebelled with the fury of a thousand teenagers. It just, they couldn't take it. She loved and she cared, but it was, it was almost too much. Keller says that this, this love for her kids was actually rooted in selfishness and in disbelief. Her plan for her children was better than God's plan for her kids. The love from her children was far more important than the love from God. And this crushed her. She wanted the perfect family. And in pursuit of the perfect family... She completely lost them. Keller goes on to say that, that we as a people kind of tend to do this. We tend to place the weight of godhood on something or someone else. So this woman placed the weight of godhood onto her children. And it ruined them. It, it, it crushed them. They cannot bear the weight of godhood. See, in this woman's mind, if her family looked good, then she would be saved. It was her salvation. It was my God, and my God will save me. My God will deliver me. My God will deliver me from pain, from suffering, from repeating sins. My God will, I bring, will bring me identity. My God will bring me purpose, joy, 
Through my God, I will find life and life abundant. Psalms 18.2 says this. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. He is my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. God is the rock. God is the stronghold. God is salvation. Our children, our spouses, our significant others, our stuff, our money, our job, our status cannot bear the weight of salvation. They cannot carry the weight of godhood. But naturally, we we tend to do this. When you're single, you place the weight of salvation onto another person to save you from your purgatory of singleness. When you're a parent, I think we very easily slip into this place where, where our children become our gods. And we smother them out of protection because my blessing, my salvation, my purpose in life cannot be taken away from me. Or we kind of go the opposite route. And because they are my God, I need to keep them happy. So whatever they want, whenever they want it, that's what they get. Because if my God is happy, then I am happy. And it crushes them. The last thing that I want for Calvin, and I believe the last thing any parent wants for their kid, is to crush them. Spiritually, emotionally, physically crush them. And this is where dedication comes into play. At least in my mind. Because dedication isn't magical. It isn't some crazy thing that we do that makes parents miraculously great parents. It doesn't save the child. It doesn't change the child. It's a declaration of thanksgiving. God, thank you. You have blessed us. You have blessed this couple with a kid. You have chosen them to be parents. And in front of the church, in front of family and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ... We vow to raise our children in a way where the weight of Godhood and salvation is placed on God and not on our children. Because God is the only one who can bear this weight, who won't be smothered, who won't be crushed under it. The grave tried to crush him, and it couldn't. See, to me, dedication is freeing because it's acknowledging God to be sovereign and trustworthy. And now we get to live in that sovereignty. We get to live, we get to serve, we get to parent in a way where God is trustworthy. And that brings me to my last video. Well, first of all, we believe that she is God's and not really ours. He's given us the privilege to raise her and to teach her all kinds of things and to watch her grow up. But ultimately, he was the one who created her, and he's the one who keeps her alive, and he's the one that will direct her path and teach her everything that she needs to know to live. But since we have that responsibility, it's also a a time to promise to each other that we would live as a godly couple in front of her, that we would teach her the Bible, that we would teach her how awesome God is, and that we would teach her about his redemptive plan to send Jesus and to save her. It's also a way for us to ask the church to come alongside us, to be a community for us that would help us in that huge job that uh, that God's given us. And I love how everyone stood up and had an I do statement to Christian and I, that they would come alongside us, that they would preach the gospel to us when we 
when we aren't uh, living as we're supposed to, when we need encouragement or help with, with our job. And they also promised to pray for us, and they prayed for us right there. So at this time, this is when I would invite Haley up, and we'd bring out this table right here, and we would sit at this table, and she would tell you her thoughts on dedication and all that good stuff, but she's not here. So I'm going to do my best to tell you her story. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, to be honest, before Calvin was born, uh, we didn't really have any interest in getting him dedicated. And this thought continued uh, for the first like three months of his life. And in a way, we felt it to be a little redundant, a little too ceremonial. We kind of thought, um, since we want to be parents, we're going into this wanting to be parents. This is the way we want to parent. Like, like why do we have to say that again? And this all changed when Calvin was three months. Okay? So... When Calvin was three months, Haley drove down to go see her parents who live in Marietta. And it was just her and Calvin for the first time driving. Haley hates driving. She hates it. Especially long distances, at night, alone. So, she has to drive this five-hour drive through L.A. with Calvin in the back seat. And she started to ask herself all these questions of, what if? What if I get in a car crash? What if Calvin is thrown from the car? What if his car seat is faulty? What if he gets hurt? What if we get in a wreck and Calvin dies? She's driving with all these kind of insane postpartum mommy hormones playing out every horrific crash scenario she can think of. And she started continuing thinking about this. What if I let this fear dictate my parenting? What kind of mother would that make me? Where is God in that? And she starts to freak out. And not like a, this is a worry, but like this is a legitimately like, I think I need to pull over and turn around because I'm not going to make it. Eventually she, she did make it. But she, she tells me, she tells me, there was no crying. She tells me there is no tearful rendition of Jesus take the wheel or something (laughs) like that. Uh, You know, maybe there was. Uh, But so often, our brain goes there. What if I drop him? What if he rolls out of bed and cracks his head open? What if he drowns in the kiddie pool? What if he dies and it's my fault? What if I'm a terrible parent? I completely emotionally screw him up. This poor, sweet boy is totally at our mercy. This is not going to go well. And in so many ways, it's completely ridiculous and silly. And in so many ways, it's completely real. And really scary. And it's at this point, I I remember talking with Haley after she got there. And and she said some things, and she wrote some things that really just, it really impressed me. She said, even if my worst nightmare comes true, even if one of these things were to happen, God is still in control. And all this fear is a waste of time. What I'm going to end up doing is freaking out and screaming, Jesus, take the wheel, while Calvin sleeps in the back. My screaming is going to wake him up. He's going to start screaming. I'm going to be even more stressed out. It's not going to go good. 
Or I could just trust. I could trust God. See, it's all too easy to get to a place where, where parenting becomes paranoia. To vaccinate or not to vaccinate. Co-sleep or not co-sleep. Public school or homeschool. Daycare or stay-at-home mom. Cloth diapers or disposable diapers. Goldfish or Annie's organic cheddar bunnies. Like, <laughs> and the internet makes it very clear whatever decision you choose, you chose wrong. Like, you're, you've ruined your kid in this giving him goldfish. Uh, and it doesn't make those decisions any less important. But we could spend the rest of our lives freaking out and worrying about Calvin, worrying about his safety, about his happiness, about his education, worrying about his popularity, worrying about his friends, worrying about all these things. It could very easily become the center of our universe. We could let it consume us and to live under the weight and the guilt that every time we do something that doesn't work out, it's 100% on us and we've ruined him. See, I think when you become a mother, you automatically become very, very good at the what-if game. And the world becomes a very terrifying place. But the truth is, we aren't in control. No matter how much we want to, no matter how much we try, no matter how much we worry, we aren't in control. And what Haley says about this It blows my mind. She says, Calvin does not belong to me. I don't dictate his story. Calvin belongs to God. God has a plan, and God loves him more than I ever could. God is the author of Calvin's story. I'm just blessed to be part of it. And and it reminds me of 1 John. In 1 John 4, 18 and 19, it says this. Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. I think this is where the love of a mother needs to come from. His perfect love casts out fear. We can love our children freely because he loved us. And he loved us first. And part of that is putting their lives in his hands. Their futures, their dreams, their desires in the hands of the Almighty. I find freedom in that. It's not about me. It doesn't lessen our responsibility as parents. It's not an excuse. We're not giving up like, well, God, you got it from here. Um, But it frees us of that guilt that our every decision will dictate his success, his failures, and ultimately his salvation. And that's what dedicating Calvin means to us. His salvation isn't dependent on us. Dedication doesn't mean that he's going to heaven. It doesn't mean that he's going to escape our parenting unscathed. It's making a commitment to parent out of a place of trusting God and not fear. A commitment to put Christ and not myself, not my child, at the center of our parenting. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, what a great opportunity to dedicate Calvin. How perfect. A couple people need to be here for that. Uh, Mom needs to be here for that. 
kind of important. Calvin, it's kind of important that he's here for that, I guess. Um, you know, and, and, and I found that, like, this would be like a, like a nice, warm, fuzzy way to end Mother's Day. But, like, parenting is so not like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, instead, what we're going to do is invite up the band. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it goes. Um, <clears throat> but this is the truth in which we as parents should be living in. And it's, and it's difficult to get there, and it's scary to get there, in a place where, where Calvin's story is not dependent on me. Yes, I have a huge influence in that, but ultimately, God is trustworthy. I could trust him with my child. My kid does not have to be my God. And if I place the weight of Godhood and salvation on my kid, that's not going to turn out good. But I can place the weight of Godhood and salvation onto God. And he is good. And he is faithful. Even if our situation doesn't always seem that way. And this is why we come to communion every week. We come and we take the cracker, which represents his body, which is broken for us. And we dip in the wine of the grape juice, which represents the blood that was spilled for us. And we say, God, we thank you for this. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for bearing the weight of Godhood, the weight of salvation, and not completely being crushed by it. That you went to the cross, but you rose three days later so that we could have salvation, so that we could experience true love. And that so we could live in a way where the love we have does not come from a place of fear comes from a place of God's sovereignty. We worship God through uh, tithes and offerings. There's offerings uh, in the offering boxes on the side and in the back. And we give because God has given so much to us. Everything we have is his. And so out of worship, we give some back. We worship God through prayer. There's going to be some uh, elders or deacons in the back, and they'd love to pray with you if you want to talk with someone, if you need to pray with someone about this, if you're like, oh, my gosh, my kid is my God. You need to pray with someone. If, if you're part of a gospel community, talk to them about this. Talk to them about the areas in which we have placed salvation and Godhead onto someone, something else. Pray with them. Have them walk with you through this. If you're not part of a gospel community, get involved in that. And then lastly, there's going to be some goodies in the back. Help yourself. Talk to someone. You know, make sure to call your moms today. Happy Mother's Day. Will you guys pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we thank you for being a God who is trustworthy. God, your goodness does not always depend on our situation, but your goodness just abounds in the love that you have for us, your children. God, we cannot even fathom it. God, we as parents want to live in a way where your sovereignty is shown, where your grace and your love is shown in our lives, where salvation is placed only on you because we, are, we know you are the only one who can save. God, we thank you for the blessings in our life and we thank you for children. We thank you for, for moms. 
God, we thank you for coming and dying for us and showing us what true love is. We love you and we give you praise. Amen.